Good morning. Uh, the scripture today reading is 1 Peter 4, verse uh, 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, give fervent in your love. Keep fervent, I'm sorry. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Jocelyn. We are expecting to hear from the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Jocelyn. So we've been doing a, uh, a sermon, on, we're doing a series on love as part of our uh, culmination of our discipleship. Uh, series, and uh, so you uh, can turn to 1 Peter 4 if you've got that in, in the scripture, in your Bible, and then we can put our finger on perhaps Proverbs 10, 12, Romans 8, 13, and we'll leave it at that if you want to put your bookmarks. Uh, love is the ultimate expression of um, of. Uh, discipleship and of a mature Christian. The Bible talks about being perfected in love, which means that is our, uh, our love walk is a sign or the expression that we have matured as Christians. It's interesting that the Bible talks about uh, love as being the ultimate expression of, uh, of, of a Christian. It talks about uh, these, uh, they shall know you by your love. It's interesting that it doesn't say they shall know you by the signs, they shall know you by your love. Paul talks about it extensively. Peter talks about it. John was known as the apostle of love. And uh, I also find it very interesting that uh, as it seems to be as people um, get older in the ministry and have matured in the ministry a lot towards the end of their ministry, or in the final stages or in the culmination of the ministry, love becomes a huge topic. The Apostle John was called the Apostle of Love. He started off being called the, the, the Son of Thunder and ended up being called the Apostle of Love. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and it is, uh, like all things, a new covenant and all things to do with God, the expression of it uh, is a work of grace uh, the grace of God in our lives, in that we, we come to believe uh, certain things about love, we uh, come to understand its place in our life, and having done that, then we, we act on it. And when we act on it, when we confess it and act on it, God powers us. The grace of God is released in us to love. Love, like faith, like all things New Testament, is uh, powered by God. It's not a work, but it is an act that we act on faith. It's emotion-released power 
or force that God releases up through us. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit. So when we are born again, and then again when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the love of God is imparted into us. And as we act on it, things happen. Things change. We change. The love of God is shared abroad in our heart. We do not need to pray for more love. We need to believe that the love of God is shared abroad in our heart and act on it. I was talking. Um, and and it, it, it really becomes that simple. Uh, a lot of it requires putting down of the flesh, you understand. Uh, but, and a lot of it requires saying no to your own self-righteousness and your own fleshly deeds. But that's the same as everything. And God has promised that he'll power with us. He'll power us. It's an action, a faith and action released event in our life. And I talked uh, last week, I think I mentioned here about how, uh, you know, the first time I went into, I think it was Brisbane Airport, and they had installed those tapless uh, water, water, did I mention that last week? And I'm standing there thinking, how do we get the water out of here? I know there's water in there. And we might think that's like we know there's love in here. You know, but how do we get it out of here? All right? And it requires action. I'm standing there thinking, after what I just did, I can't walk out without washing my hands. Hey, you ever see that? People in bathrooms, they come out and they just walk out. You know, they need someone outside the bathrooms with a pink fluoro spray to spray them. <laughs> do not shake hands with this person. And I stand there and someone comes up and he goes... And water comes out. When we act on the love that's in us, the grace of God is released. Uh, Peter in that verse says, uh, whenever you do the work of God, do it as though you have the strength of God because you have the strength of God. And it's released. So we've been uh, talking about love and we're looking now specifically at 1 Peter 4, 7. He says here, we got it up on the, thank you very much, and I will flip there. The Apostle Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and be of uh, sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Then he goes on to say, Be hospitable to one another without complaint. <laughs> When people come knocking on your door, oh no. Be hospitable to another uh, without complaint, as each one has received a gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards with the manifold grace of God. I find it interesting that uh, in this verse, and then in Romans 13, Paul does a very similar thing, where Paul says, love does no harm to anyone. He says, he says the dark is leaving the light is coming, walk in love, love does no harm to anyone. And the Apostle Peter here says, he says, the end of the age is near. Oh, there, I better take that off otherwise. Linda will see the video. And See, this whole, uh, you know, cap hair thing, it's a myth. I mean, look. No different if the cap's on or off, see? So the Apostle Paul said, The end of all things is near, therefore be a sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer, above all, or for the first thing in everything of highest priority, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love 
covers a multitude of sin. We're going to be talking about love covers a multitude of sin. But I want to just uh, highlight that he, he says, The end of all things is near, therefore be a sound, sound judgment for the purpose of prayer, and above all, or in everything, or of first importance in everything, uh, love fervently one another. When, uh, when the New Testament talks about time and when the Hebrews and, and Greeks talk about time, it's a different view of time that we have than we have. We, in the Western world, we, we really deal, deal with time as only a, a linear thing, but they dealt with time in uh, linear. They also dealt with time circular, uh, as in things just keep repeating themselves like days, weeks, months, years, seasons. But they also dealt with time in eras or epochs. And so here the Apostle Peter is saying, we are now at the culmination of the ages. What goes on from now is, is really what all, the, all of creation, Adam and Eve, Abraham, the atonement, the sacrifice, the pouring of the Holy Spirit, that this is what we're doing now is the ultimate expression. It's the last thing that needs to happen before the Lord's return. And then he says, be fervent in love. Be fervent in love. So it's interesting that he and then Paul does the same thing in Romans 13. says, in these end times, your love walk is going to become most important. Apparently, the evil one, apparently the world and the flesh will go about, apparently it's obvious, and scriptures say it, deliberately causing strife deliberately accusing the brethren, deliberately raising conflict to bring strife in the church and strife in our family and strife in our lives. The cure for that is to walk in love. So it's talking about what is important in this end age. And we, uh, we think, we feel we, it feels like the whole world is going on, and the Bible says this, the same as it's always been, but it's not. The world is making way to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this time, the first and most important thing we need to look at ourselves and the barometer we need for our spiritual walk is what is my love life? How is my love walk? How am I walking to those who offend me? How am I taking offense? Am I stumbling at this, stumbling at that? That's the important thing to focus on because is this is the end stage. The end stages are always uh, the most important times. And everything, uh, you know, I've been painting downstairs and I, it's one of the life's lessons. You know, you, you know, you do work around the house and do painting. There's important life lessons to learn. There really is. Some of you, has anyone ever done any painting at home you work? The whole thing is about life lessons, really. But like, for example, everything is preparation. Everything. Everything's preparation. If you don't do the preparation, you stuff it up, you've got to go back. Everything's preparation. And then I realize I'm preparing to paint. The reason I'm painting is I'm preparing for something else, which is preparing for something else. Everything's preparation. But here we are in this final stage, and our, the one job we've got, Chloe, you've got one job. Don't stuff it up. One job. Walk in love. Walk in love. One job. It's the end times. We've got one job. Walk in love. Love does no harm to anyone. Romans 12 or Romans 13. Love covers a multitude of sin. One job. 
I uh, used to do a fair bit of running, uh, cross-country competitive running and middle distance and long distance. I know that's, that's hard to, when you look at me, that's hard to understand. I was about 25 kgs lighter. I can remember though, uh, the end, you know, the last 400 meters or so of, of the race, it's like the whole slug, like a five, 10 kilometer cross country race. It's all coming up to that last 400 meters or so. And what you do then, everything else is preparation. I can remember one race I had, and it was at, uh, in Hunters Hill, it was a regional, I think a regional meet, and I was representing the school or the zone, it was a cross country, and I was just giving it everything. And that with 400 meters to go, I'm struggling away. I think I was running for like third or fourth place and someone, and with about 200 meters to go, this guy just strides past me. And I knew, <laughs> you know how deflating that is? I knew I was just, you know, you pace it out. I knew I was giving everything. And I started to fight back. And then this thought, no, I fooled him. And so I just, I made it look like I'd given up. And so I just sort of pulled right back, eased off, let him get a good five metres ahead, and then we were like 30 metres to go. I went, boom, I put it, I just passed him. For, I knew it had, to, I had, to, it had to be the last metre or two because he had more left in me. You know? <laughs> and and I, I moved up a place, I don't know. Maybe I got a different colour ribbon, I can't remember. The last stage is what you do in the last stages of your life and the last stages of, is of ultimate importance. We've got one job to do. Walk in love, that's our primary first thing above it. Do no harm to anyone. Cover a multitude of sin. Protect people from the effect of sin. When we were, uh, this is another last, you know, the importance of the last stages. Uh, when, just before we were getting married, we got married in, um, in Auckland, New Zealand, Papakura AOG. And uh, Linda been living, I went over there to live. I lived with a youth leader and Linda was staying with her mum. And then my family came over to, for the wedding, and uh, my, uh, my mother-in-law-to-be uh, uh, worked at Wesley College, which is a, live, uh, a large uh, private school just outside of Auckland. And it was, it was, in the, it was December the 20th, and our wedding was December the 20th, so it was holiday time. So they allowed us to have, um, they allowed us to have uh, to have the boarding lodges for the family. So all the family, cousins, relatives, people coming over from Australia were put up very affordably in these boarding lodges. And so the day before the wedding, we're all moved in, and then the night before the wedding, you can understand how nervous you've been there, how nervous and everything needs to go, uh, go right. And I hadn't been sleeping too well, and I really wanted a good night's sleep. I didn't want to have bags under, under the eyes for my wedding photos. You know, I didn't want <laughs> oh, he's got bags under his eyes. didn't want to have bags under my eyes for wedding photos. It was important to have a good night's sleep. Besides that, I get very grumpy very fleshly if I'm tired. Now, I know no one here would do that, but I do. And uh, you probably hadn't noticed. No one noticed. That, uh, but, uh, and so it was about 1 o'clock at night. I was still awake, and outside my dorm window was the, the, the outside lights, big bright lights that, opened it, that lit up the courtyard, and I just couldn't get to sleep. So I thought, well, here's an idea. I'll get up and I'll find the fuse box and I'll turn the lights off. All right, because you know, you want to look good for your wedding. Amen? That's right, you want to look good for your wedding. So I got up and I went around the building and I found 
the fuse box. This is a strategy I've employed a number of times in my life when people in, in the neighborhood are having riotous parties. Don't just, and you don't tell anyone. You sneak in, throw the fuse, don't tell anyone. Oh, this is on video. <laughs> anyway, so I threw this, the lights went out. This was fantastic. You know, I went in, I rolled over, had a beautiful sleep till like eight o'clock in the morning and I got my six or seven hours and it was fantastic and all was right with the world. Except when my family wanted to have their showers in the morning and, and there was cold water, you know, and I thought to myself, if you can't bother to have your shower the night before, like every decent, you deserve a cold. No, I didn't. <laughs> You know, it was me, it was about my, my entertainment, my enjoyment, this is my wedding. You go smelly. <laughs> you know. So what you do, I told that to say, what you do in the last stages of your life is very important. And we are told the first importance to walk in love. So then he goes on. He says, love covers a multitude of sins. And we'll get to that expression uh, first of all, uh, uh, but first of all, he says, be fervent, be fervent in love, be diligent, be deliberate, be purposeful. So that means that we uh, are not only is it of first importance, we need to realize that our love walk, how we treat others, uh, how we allow, how we cover a multitude of sins, how we treat others is of first importance, but we have to deliberately and purposely do it. Because the default button, who knows the default button is flesh? The default button is flesh out. That's when, when you know, we haven't had our quiet times, we're feeling upset, we haven't had lunch, we haven't had sleep. The default button is to react. But it says be fervent, be deliberate, look for opportunities to walk in love. So we need to actually have our little love antennas up like this. When we start to feel hurt, start to feel a bit self-righteous, and we go, I am fervent in love. I'm deliberate in love. I pursue love. I make, I'm intentional not to get offended. I choose not to get hurt. And you can choose to do that. Think of the alternative. The alternative is you're just going to be totally ruled by emotions, self-righteousness, hurt by how people look at you, what they say of you, what they think of you. That's the alternative. Or you can do the one thing, this primary thing, and decide to walk in love. Be fervent in love. For love covers a multitude. The word that is used there, we get the word plethora from. Right? Love covers a plethora of sins. Love covers the whole kit and caboodle. I have no idea where that expression comes from, but I do know that Bunnings has, is it caboodles? Those kits, or they call it something else. I, I do know when Mark and Paul were here and they're they laying out and there's thousands of pieces around and you know, there's few, had a few spare pieces. I've never reassembled anything and not have spare pieces left over. I think, how nice are the designers to leave a few spare screws? <laughs> but, but all those things, every situation, love covers it. What's the answer to being offended in that situation? Love. Your love walk. How you choose. What's the answer when someone has fallen in sin? Love is the first step. It's the first 
response. It's the first, everything else stems from that. Whatever we're to say, whatever we're to do, however we're to react, stems from love, which stems from his love towards us, the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart. That comes out. That comes out. So, so be fervent. It covers a, a, it, a multitude, many, every class of sin. There's not any sin, any situation, any offense, anything that happens to us. We should be getting pretty well excited about now. I expect to see some people running pretty soon. Nothing comes our way in which the first response is love. Should not be love. You know, we see, was it D, danger, all the respiration, the first aid things. The first one should be LD. First response is love. Sin is falling short, but covers is an interesting word. Because it doesn't mean uh, cover as in to pretend that it's not there. But it also doesn't mean, definitely doesn't mean, to expose it for the sake of exposing it. The word cover means to shelter, protect, defend, take, take the impact of that sin for someone else. Uh, what's the um, Sandra Bullock uh, movie, the Sandra Bullock movie, which uh, with the, um, it's, it's not a romantic comedy, sorry. All right. But it's got that big, the big footballer, you know, that, and they, they adopt him. Blindside, yeah. And, uh, and I think she says it once, Blindside, it's a good movie, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's not a romantic comedy. It's a B grade. That's all right. But it's, it's the blindside, and they adopt this, um, this big African, homeless African-American guy, and he's, like, huge. I think I played against him on netball on Thursday night, I think. <laughs> It was cold defense, and the guy I played was, was six foot ten. Seriously, he didn't even bother guarding me. He just stood behind me and went, swat. <laughs> and he goes to me, Grant, catch the ball with two hands. I said, I need a stepladder. <laughs> what do you mean two hands? <laughs> anyway, uh, here's the blind side. And his role is to protect the quarterback from everything that's going to hit him. He's the, they are the highest... Or well, the second highest, always one of the two paid, paid uh, footballers in the NFL is the blind side guard. Because the blind side, the, the quarterback's right-handed, gets the ball in the right hand, so his left, left shoulder's there, so he doesn't naturally see who's coming. And the blind side guard protects him, stops him from being hit. He covers him. He is protecting him. The effect of what's coming against him, it's got to get through him first. And every day we meet people, folks, and ourselves, we have it. Where sin's having its way, Satan's having its way, love is the blind side guard. The first person you pick in the team. Who's going to protect? Because a good quarterback's no good if he's flattening his back. Love is the blind side guide. Love covers everything. Our job in life is people we meet to protect them from the effect of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. And how do we do that? What are ways in which we can protect it? 
What are, uh, you know, what does it look like? And very often uh, we have treated sin in people's life uh, as something that needs to be exposed, to reveal to the world. And that, that, is, that is actually a rare event. And we're going to talk about some of the conditions that happens in a church and in society. It's actually a very rare event. And there's cert- only certain conditions in which people's is, sin is to be exposed. Uh, you know, Jesus didn't go around telling everyone's secrets. Because sin's effect on us uh, comes in many ways. One, uh, deception. If you know something to be wrong and you continue to live in that, uh, once your conscience is pricked and you choose to ignore your conscience, the next step then is deception. I've had dear friends that have fallen away from the faith and in every single one of them I can identify steps where they went against their conscience and choose to continue against their conscience. And Romans 1, Romans 2 describes that progression where eventually their hearts get hardened. So sometimes love is sitting down and chatting with people one-on-one about an area in love gently that's gone on with their life and just sounding them out. And you know and I know that if you're feeling loved by someone, you know that they're not going to talk about it. You know that they're not going to expose you to the world. They're not going to shame you. They're not going to humiliate you. But they understand. They probably feel relieved to talk with you about it. You probably get up and you can say, it goes no further. This goes no further, but I've seen this. And that's not going to someone, you know, like because they've hurt you and said, I need to let you know that you've hurt me. Now that's when there's a pattern of behavior that is going to destroy their life. Love sits down with them. Jesus said, Matthew 18, if you see your brother in sin, living in sin, I'm not, you know, not one thing, but something that's going to destroy their life. He said, just go on them one on one, just one on one. Take them aside, just you and them. Have a coffee. How's things going? And you'll find most people just open up, you know. Because it's not our role, of course, to be the sin police. And you don't, because you know, Scripture goes on to say, but be careful lest you fall into the same sin of self-righteousness. It's not our role to be sin police. But you know, if you build a relationship with someone, they know you love them, and you know, they know they're struggling in an area and say, hey, how can we do this? How can we help you? How can we support you in this? What can we do? It's going to go no further than this, I promise. No one, except the pastor and maybe the prayer chain. No, no one. <laughs> you know those prayer chains. God, we just pray for you. We're just going to pray for you. Do you have a need? Anyone need to pray for So-and-so is doing all these things. We're going to pray for you. Send it out to 300 people. No, 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 no. So it love addresses the issues. But first of all, in your own, I'll talk about that in a minute, but first of all, in your own walk, the first thing really we need to look at is when uh, hurt comes our way, how do we respond? What is the thing we do? Uh, and if someone, someone's lied to us, someone's hurt us, someone's insulted us, what does love do? Love 
takes the hit. Love takes the hit. Love steps back, takes a breath, says, how can I respond in love to this? Turn, can you call up Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5? And are we able to do that? That's going to come. No, uh, sorry, well done. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Just look at me. Are we close to it? Good. One Corinthians thirteen, and, and let's break down this. Love takes a hit. When I say that, it, it, it's an affront. It's actually a front to our self righteousness when we get hurt, and it's hard to recognise it as self righteousness. But but some of the inner feelings is I don't deserve to be treated like that. Who's had that little voice? I don't deserve to be treated like, what did I do to deserve? Is that not self-righteousness? Do we really want what we deserve? Do you do we really? Is that how to respond? Is that how the love responds? Do I want, just, just hold on. Imagine saying, God, just hold on, just stop right there. You say you don't deserve that. Does that mean you want what you deserve? Oh, just in this instance, God. Not in every other instance. Just in this instance, I want what I deserve. doesn't work like that. You move under the law and start working that way. You're going to get it in the rest of your life. All right? But love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not act ungraciously, unappropriately. It looks at the situation and it acts in the ben to the benefit of that person, not drawing attention to its needs. Love takes the hit. It does not seek its own right. There's going to be times where love says, love knows I deserve better than this, even, you know, you really should rebuke that thought, cast it down. Uh, but I, maybe I, I, it didn't deserve for that to happen to me or I haven't been treated well or I know they've been talking bad about me. But love doesn't seek its own rights. Once you start standing, you know, the whole thing about you know, there's different things with race and First Nations and, and all that sort of, you know, peace does not come through justice. Peace comes through forgiveness. Peace comes when the person who is owed something chooses to forgive. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't keep records or take account of what does. Love chooses to love that person and act in love. And it's tough. It's manly. It's strong. It hurts. You've got to dig down and say, I will walk in love. I will choose what is best for that person and I will cover the effect of that sin from bouncing back at them. Years ago, I was doing some teaching at a high school in Canberra and one of the kids, uh, one of the I think year nine or year ten kids had been at a party uh, out in Queen Bean, and uh, Queen Bean is just outside of Canberra and it's a little bit rougher side of town, uh, a little bit like around here, you know, a little bit rougher side of town and... Um, and uh, I was in the staff room, and this message came in, the, the ground has been invaded, we need all hands on deck. And I went out, and there was a group of about 10 or 12 uh, hoodlums from Queen Bean looking for this kid. And uh, they had uh, crowbars, little short crowbars, little tyre jacks, little uh, things that changed the wheel nuts on tyres, 
You can tell I'm not a tool guy. You know what I discovered yesterday morning? Because yeah, you know the amount and the quality of tools, because I, I just brought everything up. I brought everything I owned. Everything I owned up here. It does not determine how, uh, how skilled a tradesman you are. Yeah, and Paul brings one tool, one drill. I mean, I had all the bags that came up like this. You know, how did I get onto that? Oh, yeah, they brought this tire jack up. Now, a couple of years before, I'd been working in the States, and someone came into the store and was very aggressive to the assistant manager, picked up this huge stapler and just threw it at her from about this far. Bang! And I wasn't able to stop it. I was standing beside her, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to stop it unless I get in between. And afterwards, I thought, how, sorry, how did it happen that I couldn't stop this? And I realized I really had to put myself in between this person and her to protect her. Love puts yourself in between the person and sin in many ways. It takes the offense, it takes the hurt, and it responds in love. So they come onto this field, and there was a bunch of them, it was about 12 of them. So I, the, the only people that responded were me and this little PE teacher. She was about that height, you know, this little feisty, you've seen those little feisty PE teachers? She's about this high. And I went up and I, and I, said, to, I said to this guy, I said, you're not getting in here. I stood in front of him, and he took one look at me, and he went, poof, whacked me, bang, ooh, <laughs> bang, like that. And I thought, okay, I, I, like how could I react? I could push him back, I could whatever. If I step aside, this guy's going to get hit. And I thought, okay, I'm still standing, I'm, I'm here. And I just, look, if, I'd, if I'd pushed back and fought back, of course, then it's not just one, it's the 12 of them with their crowbars. So I took about three or four more hits, bang, 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 and they ended up walking around me. And they found this guy, on the, and, and they had him on the ground, and they were kicking and punching and hitting him. And me and this little feisty little PE teacher got in between the blows and them, got around him like that, and literally picked him up and carried him into the staff room. Love is just like that, because you will get hits you know you don't deserve, but someone else deserves it. But you have the grace... You have the love dwelling in you. You have the peace. And, you, and it dwells up in you. You say, I choose love. I choose high, uh, the higher way. In 1 Corinthians 5, I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. I, pro I promised Linda turned past. <laughs> if just she lets the kids go in, we just left the kids go to the kids come and sit down. Um, 1 Corinthians 5, it talks when, when someone's caught in sin. And now 1 Corinthians 5 is talking about the guy uh, who, who uh, was sinning in a way that even the Corinthians thought was sinful and that he had, was having relations with his father's wife. And then the Bible talks about in situations like that, it says go to them one-on-one -on -one because you understand once you shame someone, once you put guilt on someone... There, that doesn't give liberty. That brings condemnation. The scriptures say the power of sin is in the law. The power of sin is in the law. Because if their heart is soft to God or, or, or God can work in their life, that, uh, grace, and I don't mean ignorance, but you're aware of what's going on, and yet you love them and you treat the best of them, that, that, that allows God to move. So the only times in the Bible where it says to expose sin to other people is when it's a very overt sin and it's living, 
it's in front of everyone and it's being flagrant and then it needs to be dealt with because it's become an issue in the church. And that's what happened in Corinthians when the guy was living with his, his, uh, his, uh, his mum, his father's wife. Because the Corinthians, really, they got, they got so enthused about this, they kicked him out of the church and he repented and they wouldn't let him back. So 2 Corinthians says, guys, 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 let him back in. Please let him back in. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love chooses to protect the person who sinned by responding in grace, by not responding out of hurt, by letting them know it, 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 it chooses the path of forgiveness, the path of reconciliation, the path of restoration. And that's a path available to all of us. Husbands, wives, family members, you get hurt. Your response is love. Forgiveness. Forgive them. Do you want to be forgiven for your sins? Choose to forgive them. Restore them. And it doesn't mean you get run over. It doesn't mean you get run over. It's a relationship or a marriage. Things, issues need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. It doesn't. But your path is love. I love the story of uh, Joseph. And you know Joseph in, in Genesis, he was sold as a slave. He was perhaps, well, he was very unwise. I mean, you don't go bragging before your, your ten other brothers saying, I've got this coat. And so, by the way, I had this dream. You're all going to bow down in front of me. You know, it just does not go well. That doesn't go well at all. All right. And so he responded like that, as, as you do sometimes when, when you're young. And of course, they sold him and then they took his robe and they put blood of an animal and took it to, the, to, to uh, uh, his father, Jacob, Israel. And then he got sold to Egypt. 20 years later, you know the story, of course, he didn't sleep with Potiphar's wife and he, and he grew up uh, and he, he grew to, to, to rule, to be the prime minister of the whole of Egypt. The, uh, nine of the sons, then nine... Everyone except for Benjamin, the younger one, so that meant uh, 10 of the sons came to buy, to buy, how's my maths, is that good? Yeah, 10 minus 2, 12 minus 2, that's 10. Came to buy, to buy grain off them. And, and Joseph, it's a little bit hard to understand, but if it had got out to everyone in the kingdom or in the king's house, how they treated them, they wouldn't be let out of the room alive. So he developed this scheme to get this message across to them where they had to face their sin and yet they still received love and forgiveness from them. And he did it quietly. He didn't tell the world what had been done to them. He did it quietly and he did it subtly and did it with wisdom. It's hard to understand now because we're not the kings of Egypt or pharaohs or whatever. But he did it in a way where they had eventually had to, to confront it. And then he showed them grace. And then he showed them love. And then he restored them. Love is our first step, our first response. In these times, it is our primary step. You've got one thing to do. First step is to walk in love. The first step is not to hurt someone. And then when you can... Whichever way you can, protect them. Be that bodyguard. Take the hit. Take the offense. And love them. Forgive them. And we'll see our lives changed and their lives changed. Praise God.